Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Since the 1800s, tarot cards have been used as a source of spiritual guidance. And unlike what most people believe, tarot does not predict the future. Instead, they tell us stories about our lives and enable us to connect with our inner wisdom and gain a deeper understanding of a situation. It's an additional tool that we can consult to make better and more conscious decisions in our lives. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with one of the most beloved tarot card artists, Chris Ann Donnelly. Chris Ann is a deck creator, artist, and magic maker, as well as a marketing strategist and owner of Pixel Brand, a branding and graphic design company. She has successfully kickstarted three independent card decks the Sacred Creators Oracle, the Lightseer's Tarot, and the Muse Tarot, and she offers unique courses for creators that combine marketing and branding with manifestation and intuition. During our conversation, we'll talk about the creative inspiration behind Chris Ann's designs. She'll also explain how tarot works and how we can use them to develop insight and overcome blocks so that we can become the best version of ourselves. If you like what you heard, Please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hi, Chrisanne. It's so nice to have you with us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Thank you for, for making it. I know that we're here today to talk about your new deck, the Tarot of Curious Creatures, But I have to make an honorable mention of this beauty right here, Mm -hmm. the Lightseer's Tarot. This is one of my favorite tarot card decks in my collection. And these images are simply so enchanting. And I connect so well with these cards. So I just wanted to thank you for creating this gem. that's That's so nice. Thank you for, uh, you know, I, I, I I love it when people connect with it. It's just, uh, you know, as a creator, that is when we put work out into the world and all creators, I assume are the same. When we hear that people are enjoying our work, it's just kind of like, well, that just makes my heart gratifying. Yeah. That's, that's the reason why we do it, you know, because it is creating a deck is a lot of work and it's something that comes from the, from the heart, the soul, you know, we put all of our our energy into it. So when we hear that people are enjoying it, it's just, you know, that's everything. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. And it's not just me. This this is a very popular deck. Um, you know, I had to wait for, I think, three weeks to get it. <laughs> so I was just like, 
Okay. So anyway, Chris Ann, as you just mentioned, you know, you put a lot of heart into making these cards and your designs are really unique um, in terms of the imagery and uh, the design. So I'm just curious to know, what is your creative process like? How do you gain inspiration for these for these designs and these images that you use? You know, it's um, the inspiration kind of, I'm going to sound like it just kind of happens, you know, it's not something that I am. I actively do stoke creativity and I'm actively like, you know, sending messages to the muse and saying, okay, I'm here. Like whenever you're ready with a new idea, like here's my hands, use my talent, use whatever you want to get a message through. Cause I kind of feel like, um, it's not always something that comes just from me actually with a lot of the work. I feel like it's, it's kind of external to me and I'm just a Photoshop by proxy or artist by proxy. You know, I just sort of do the work for something else. Although with light Sears, it felt like it was a lot more in my head and I had a lot more thinking to do with it, but with the muse tarot or with the tarot of curious creatures and that sort of thing, it's just, it's just, Sometimes the inspiration just comes and I have a moment where I get started on a project and then I can, I kind of have this choice point of, is this going to be a full deck? Is this just going to be a few images? Are we going to jump into a year of production with this? And sometimes they just feel like a massive yes in my system and I just run with it. So, you know, I wish that I had a better answer for where inspiration comes from. That's something that I will be curious about and researching and wondering about my whole entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. So it's like you're channeling everything that you that you get all the inspiration. But I was wondering if you had any specific practices that you use to kind of induce, you know, this, 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 these creative urges. Is there anything that you do in particular that works for you? Yes, for sure. So um, it's well, number one, it's it's making space for it to happen. You know, when, when, if I am really busy in, it doesn't matter, you know, what the other busy thing is, especially, you know, if I'm busy working on uh, something like a client project or client work, or I'm doing art for someone else, or if I'm busy studying or I'm busy moving or the inspiration is definitely not going to come on like new amazing ideas don't come in those spaces. So I really make a practice of giving myself a little bit of space and time. And especially at the end of the year, we're coming into December, always, mm-hmm. always every year in December, I give myself the really whole busy. month where, but, uh, but as an artist in December, or as a, my cycle of work in December's, I take December's off generally, as far as like, I'm not going to start any new projects. I'm not going to be thinking or planning. And a lot of people plan in December, you know, they're super into planning for the new year. Yeah. They're getting into, you know, setting resolutions and trying to, they're reflecting on what, what happened in the past year. So yeah, definitely a a very busy time mentally for a lot of people. Yeah. And so what I've done in the last uh, seven or eight years now is I'll take December's and I, I stop jotting notes down. I stop writing. I just take a pause and I allow myself to just be in pause. Although, you know, I'm busy doing other things, but it's making conscious space for new ideas and new inspiration to come. 
because if we're so full, there's no space for inspiration to land. So I definitely give myself time as far as like, that's the seasonal time, like one month of the year, this is a time for just having an empty cup (laughs) and allowing whatever happens happen and allowing whatever ideas to come in to come in. Then usually by the end of December, I have a ton of new ideas because I've just not been writing them down. I've not been capturing everything. I've not been trying to remember every little idea that comes into my head. I take the December off for that. And um, by the end of December, there's always a few things that have popped into my mind, but I haven't written them down because uh, I don't do any writing in December. And, oh, you uh, don't? You don't make notes? I won't. Like every- no, no. Okay. In December, I won't, I won't take notes. I won't be wow. like, because I'm in capture mode a lot. I'm in like, oh, I've got a million ideas and I'm trying to write it all down, but I could never, there's no way that one person, you know, me and, or, or even me and my assistant or me and subcontractors, we couldn't get all of those things done because I have too many yeah. ideas. So oh, I, I can imagine. Yes. You know, and so many creatives are the same, you know, it's not like this yeah. is something where so many people in general, we've got all of these ideas and we just, we need armies of ourselves to get them all done, you know? And, um, so in December, I don't write it. I, I am fully in sit with an empty cup mode. I'm not, I don't write anything down. I don't write my, here's the hundred things that I could do next year down. I'll usually do it now early in January, but just giving myself that space makes space for new ideas to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you say that you have like about a hundred ideas. How do you decide which ones you commit to? Because that's a challenge that I face sometimes, you know, um, with, with my writing, I, I have so many ideas about what I want to do on social media and the kind of content that I want to create. How do you decide which one uh, would be the best use of your energies, like which one you want to commit to? Mm. Well, so for the December project every year, the December pause, the best yeah. ideas rise to the top because we actually don't forget our best ideas. And I was when I first started doing this, I was so worried. If I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. And what if that amazing yeah. ideas in the, in the stuff I forget, you don't forget the great ones. They don't, they don't go away. So for me, it's often, there's a good, you know, there's an idea that comes and I'll just like, let it sit. But if it sits there for a really long time, then if it sticks, if it sticks, it's, it's okay. This has to happen. This has to happen. It has to be done. Like I need to create this thing. And it also, yeah. so there's that piece, but there's also the piece of how, how excited it makes me. Cause mm. you know, so many ideas can make us excited in the beginning, but then once we actually start to do them, you know, I'll find I'll do, if it's a deck idea, let's say I'll do one image. And by that time that image is finished, okay. The idea is already starting to fizzle. I'm Mm -hmm. not as excited about it anymore. Okay. Well, that's Mm -hmm. not something that's not, that energy is not going to sustain me for 78 cards or 78 pieces of art plus plus the guidebook. Right. Yeah. So it's really, I give myself permission to change my mind and a lot of people that, you know, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs that don't give themselves permission to change their mind. Like once they start, they have to finish. And that's not me. I will yeah, give myself that was full me. Permission. That was me in the past for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's hard. That yeah. is a super, that is such a hard place to be because you started out and with all of this energy and then you're 25% through something, or even if you just started, yeah. just the simple fact of starting, you're going to finish. And that, that for me just isn't the, um, so yes, I'd give myself permission to stop and that I'm 
that can be dangerous if, if, if I was stopping everything, but that's not who I am. I'm more naturally inclined to finish everything. So yes. I have to give myself permission to stop, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's, it's so, it's so nuanced though. You have to understand, like you have to really be connected to yourself to know when, when to cut your losses on a certain project that you started, you know? So I think it's also getting, I mean, using data and really like seeing what's working and what's not working. That's, that's how I measure, you know, how far I've come. Uh, Mm. So, yeah. I mean, if we are jumping into a lot of different things and I always sort of look at it from an energetic perspective and if I've even started something and, you know, all I've done is the business plan of something and I've put some energy into it and I've, I've, I've taken the first few steps and then it sits there on my desk for a year. And then there's another project that I just have the first inclinations of and first little pieces of art. Maybe I've talked to my publisher about it, or maybe I've talked to a few people about it or gathered a few connections, hired a few people, whatever it is. Every single one of those things that's sitting on my desk, that's sort of a start that hasn't been finished. I see it as that's energy that I've put into it. It's like these loose ends. So I'll start something and I'll put some energy into it and start something else and put energy into it. And I can get myself really easily into a place where I have so much energy kind of stagnating in half finished projects that sometimes all, and then I'm drained because somewhere in the back of my mind, there's this voice that's like, well, you didn't finish this. You didn't finish that. Oh yeah. Right. So that's (laughs) so draining. It's it's exhausting. It is very draining. Yes. Right. So then sometimes it's just a matter of going through, you know, taking a, a look at the year and saying, well, I started this thing. Well, am I going to finish it or not? So sometimes the follow through isn't finishing it. Sometimes the follow through is simply stating, I'm not doing that project or that project is officially on pause and maybe will never be resurrected. And then speaking that to life, you know, letting anyone that was potentially a part of that, you know, just, it's like, it's just like following through and reclaiming that energy. So then I'll have all of this other energy for one project that I really do want it to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's great advice, Chrisanne. And one of your projects that saw the light of day is the Tarot of Curious Creatures. Um, And I absolutely love it. Um, You use some really quirky, (laughs) colorful, colorful characters with a combination of human bodies and animal heads, which I thought was very (laughs) interesting. So tell us your thought process behind the unique spin on these cards. You know, that that, um, deck... I started that deck in uh, over the holidays of 2019 and we mm-hmm. had our two teenage nephews from Chile visiting. So they, we had teenage boys in the house for a month. They came to snowboard. So, I mean, that's, it was such a fun energy in the house and, and silly and they're teenagers. And, and so, you know, all we're doing is we're going snowboarding and snowshoeing and, and taking them to do axe throwing. Like, what do you do with teenage boys in the house? Right. So we're just trying to, we we just had so much fun and I had finished, um, light series had just launched with Hay House. And so I wasn't working on any projects actively. And one night that my husband was, they were all playing PlayStation and I was in the living room and I just had my laptop and I was really not interested in the game that they were playing. And, uh, so I just started fooling around with images and uh, the first image for that deck 
just sort of happened out of me playing. You know, it was the justice card. I really love parrots. And there was, I found this beautiful image of an African gray. And then I started playing around with some of the bodies that I had considered using for the muse tarot, but, but didn't use. And so that particular card actually has kind of a desert background. She's standing on sand, which is very much the feeling of the imagery from the muse tarot. And that's because I had just kind of finished the light seers and finished the muse. And I was sitting with some of these extra images. And so uh, I put this African gray head on the body and one of my nephews looked over and started laughing and kind of like, what is, what is my aunt doing? (laughs) And um, she's weird. And it was just, yeah, it was just fun. Like we laughed about it. And, uh, and so then I just kind of sat with how easily that image came and how the justice card worked so well. And, uh, and I started playing with what, what would happen if I were to take this through and make a deck. And I chatted with my assistant about it and we looked at, we, I said, okay, let's, let's, let's play with this for a week and, and see what happens. You know, let's work Mm -hmm. on it for a week and see how far we get. Often I'll do that where I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll invest a week of time and just see. Mm-hmm. see if it flourishes. And after the week, you know, we were exchanging images back and forth and we laughed so much that week. Because you can mm-hmm. imagine when you're trying to fit animal heads to human bodies, some of them really yeah, don't Yeah, how do you choose, you know, which animal to use for which card? Because some of them are obvious, like for the hangman, you use the used a bat and for the lovers, you chose lovebirds. But there are some of them that I, I was... I wasn't sure why you use that specific animal for, for absolutely, that tarot. yeah. So some of them, um, some of them are because the, uh, you know, when you're when you're working with different images, trying to get the angles right from an animal and a human. Sometimes we were limited, kind of like which bodies would work with which heads, and then which um, which archetype does this so, feel like? Yeah, but but mostly, I mean. Mostly it had to do with us kind of looking at what animal could represent the feelings of the archetype, you know, Mm. and we were kind of, I mean, as I was saying, we were, we were just laughing so much because we were finding all of these animal heads and trying to find expressions because most animals, they don't have expressions. So you're, so you're trying to like look at a picture and say, what could I do to this to make it more expressive? And so we're playing with like opening the eyes or opening the mouth or tilting the head, or what can we do to make these animals um, be more human? That's so cool. (laughs) You know, like playing with that. Yeah. And then when we found the right expression on the animal, it didn't always, we didn't always line up our understanding of the animals or what they mean. But sometimes we did like the love words, like you said, where there's a sloth for the four of swords, which is like a time to slow down. Oh yeah, the sloth, yes. yes. Right? So some of them are very obvious, um, but some of them were just about the expression of the animal. And the animal's expression was, oh, this looks like it's surprised when we do, or this looks like it's worried. And so it was more about the, what human expressions the animals could come up with. And then sometimes... Um, sometimes it had much more to do with the archetype. There wasn't one rule. You know, I think about the magician card and that's a polar bear. And with the magician, we were thinking, okay, there, this, this, this polar bear just kind of felt like kind of somewhat magnificent and, and. Uh, See, I would have thought magical. you'd use 
a rabbit because you know rabbit out of the hat so yep absolutely yep that that would make <laughs> sense too for us for us some of the some when some of the images came to life the animals had something to say about it it wasn't just oh. our thinking you know because you're working with these images mm-hmm. and as i'm working with them often i'm starting to get their messages or i'm starting to get uh you know, some of the, of what the archetype wants to say. And so in the case of the magician, I didn't expect this at all because we laughed so much in the first few, you know, the first month of creating the deck, it was pure laughter, pure joy. We just laughed at all of the, how, how silly and crazy and ridiculous these yeah. heads looked on human bodies. But then when we started getting into, okay, let's look at what animals go where, some of them started to have their own messages, like with the magician uh, as the polar bear, you know, you're working with animals and the polar bear became the magician because, you know, we started to think about, well, not only what, what does this mean from the human archetype, but what does the animal want to say? And so with the polar bear, the polar bear wanted to talk about global warming. The polar bear wanted to talk about its habitat being destroyed. And so Mm. um, you start to think about, well, how does that then become part of your part of your deck. And the reason that the polar bear became the magician was because I think it's somewhat magical that these giant animals can live on ice that's melting and somehow they make it all the way to land and then back to the ice. And they're Mm -hmm. sort of in this state of like flux where they don't know what their home is going to look like from one year to the next because it's being reduced so much. And somehow there are these big heavy giant creatures that still are managing to survive. survive. Wow. Okay. Wow. So there's like a really deep meaning behind that. That's so interesting. Some of the animals just had, I mean, it's not the same with all of them, but some of them just had something to say. Yeah. I was curious, were you inspired by, you know, the characters from Greek mythology, ancient Greek mythology, like centaurs and even uh, hieroglyphics and in uh, ancient Egypt, they definitely had a couple of characters which also had an animal head and human body, like thought. I hope I'm saying it right, thought. And, you know, the jaguar god. And were you inspired by any of these characters? In some ways and in some cards, for sure. The um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that I kind of set out to do. Yeah. But around that same time when I started creating the deck, in December of, um, so it was just prior to December, 2019 and just prior to the world having such an, ex- a, a, like a, you know, devastating change, right. We're, uh-huh, we're yeah. just prior to pandemic time. I had this dream that was, um, really, you know, those dreams that you wake up from and they've just like changed your world because they were so oh, yeah. incredibly powerful, emotional. Powerful. And this dream mm-hmm. ha- did have, um, and I'm not going to say the name right. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. It's Sekhmet. It's one of the Egyptian Sekhmet, um, goddesses. Yeah, Sekhmet. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the, so fal- the falcon head, the um, lion, the lion, oh. lion head, and the and and okay. so this. Um, I'm mixing up my gods, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, Sekhmet. Yes, <laughs> and I didn't know the name at the time because I just got the image of this lion head lioness goddess who was really just like angry and blazing fire and like kind of just um 
you know, it was fully, yeah, I must've read about it at some point. I must've heard about it, but I just, I didn't have that. I wasn't, that knowledge wasn't, I, I didn't have access to that knowledge, you know, cause I had the dream and, yeah. you know, this God, this, this fiery goddess raging anger down on humanity and had this, uh, this moon kind of over the head. And so I'm sure that that, did have something to do with it because that dream happened and my, my, my nephews were there and, you know, just sort of, so I'm sure that there was some inspiration there, but it wasn't something that I did necessarily consciously until I got to my, um, my queen of wands in the deck and she showed up there because the queen of wands is the lioness, the, the Oh, the lioness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she is, uh, so, so that dream definitely did show up in the deck. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I don't have the deck yet, but I will order it soon. For those who don't know much about tarot, could you briefly explain how it works and what goes into a reading? Mm -hmm, For sure. So, you know, there's so many different ways to read tarot. So I can only speak to kind of the way I use the deck or I would Mm -hmm. use tarot decks, but really with, with tarot or oracle decks, it's sort of a, it's a way that we can just get access to our unconscious minds, to our inner knowing. And sometimes sometimes they're the greatest permission givers <laughs> because we maybe want something that we're not allowing ourselves to watch or we're not, allow- we're not allowing that awareness to go from our unconscious mind to our conscious mind. So decks are great ways to kind of just connect with inner voice or higher self, source, spirit, God, whatever you believe. And so for me, I will always just have, a, I say a question, but really it's more like, a curiosity. Because if if I say question and you're going to go to a deck and ask a question, the first thing most people will do is they will say, okay, is X thing going to happen? And they ask kind of that yes or no question. Yes or no. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Right. And yes, is, yes or no is just such a, you know, it's like you get a card and it's over. It's not really the way I see tarot working. I see tarot and Oracle decks as being more of a gateway to potential or gateway to possibilities. So I'll more ask, and let's say I want to know, you know, am I going to get this job? Instead of saying, am I going to get the job? My curiosity will be, what do I need to know about this job? So that it, you know, or, or about this, this job that I'm curious about, what do I need to know so that it happens or so, so that whatever's meant to happen for my highest good or the, so that the best outcome will come, you know? So that's when I will ask the question I hold that in my mind for, you know, a few minutes. Sometimes I meditate on it, depending on how much time I have, shuffle the deck, pull a card. And then the cards, whatever cards you pull, those cards are going to give us an in-depth understanding of some of the potential outcomes, depending on how we act and the things that we do. So it's, I mean, they're, they're fantastic guidance systems just for life or, you know, for getting to know ourselves as well. Right, right. And have you ever faced this issue where you're so attached to a certain outcome and then you kind of project what you want onto the cards? Because I, that has happened to me sometimes and that's happened for my friends. So how do you overcome that obstacle? Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard, right? When we're, when we become so knowledgeable of what we want and knowledgeable of the cards at the same time. And we kind of know the pluses and the minuses of each card. Sometimes that yes. can be a real issue. And that's why they say, you know, readers have a heart. It's so much easier for us to read for other people it than is. it is for us to read for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you're using tarot as kind of um, an inner, um, 
guidance system and inner, it's almost like this inner getting to know myself using tarot in this kind of more psychological way. Like, what am I thinking? What am I desiring? What are the potentials right now? Well, then oftentimes tarot where we think that, you know, just as you said, you feel like you are projecting onto the cards. Well, what are you projecting? Like you're projecting your innermost desires and, and needs and the things that you know that you, that, that should be in your life or the things that you know, or the people, you know, maybe you should let go of or whatever it is that you're asking about. Right. So when we project those things onto the cards, well, that's like full validation for what's actually going on in the inner landscape. If you are using the cards predictively, that's a whole other thing, right? So if you want, so then I don't know if it's, it's, that's almost like we just become so in tune with our own inner desires that we are projecting onto the cards. And it's almost a place where, well, did you need the cards for this in the first place? You probably just needed to journal. Yeah, that's true. And I think sometimes people are just looking for assurance that, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, there's a chance that it can happen, you know? And that's, yes. a, that's when I think it can get a little bit toxic. It can go on the dark side if, if you know. Uh, if, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and if you're doing something that's a little more, so if you're wanting a more predictive reading for myself, if there, if I'm wanting to know, you know, direct predictive information, then in that particular scenario, and I don't often use the cards this way, but if I really need something that's like, I need to know, and it needs to be predictive, <laughs> then I'll yeah. grab a deck that I'm not very um, used to. I'll grab a deck that I don't normally use because that's going to give me more intuitive information. And it's going to be more intuitive than it is going to be like a knowing of the meaning of the cards or a knowing of how I can possibly spin this card so that it fits my scenario that I want it to, you know, see, you know, and how do you, how do you, how do you know which deck would give you that, that feeling that, that sense, that sense of, of, of not being too tied to the cards and just really looking at what it, the intuitive information it gives you. Right. As far as choosing a deck like that. So yeah. I will usually go, so the cards that I use for those kinds of readings, I mean, I'll never use my own decks <laughs> because I know them too well. And I know all of the meanings and I know all the different ways you could read each card. So I'll go to a deck that I don't use very often. I may even buy a new deck in that moment, you know, if I want something that's totally different and it tends to be different than the cards that I'm comfortable with. So if mm -hmm. I love cards that kind of have a certain vibe or feeling, then my more shadowy decks are the ones that are really going to call me out or really going to give me information that maybe I don't want to see. They mm -hmm. feel completely different and maybe I'm not comfortable with them and maybe I don't even particularly like them, which is an interesting way to see, um, to see tarot. But I do have a few decks like that, that I just pull out for, for moments when I need a different, different sort of answer, you know? Interesting. They're to totally different. They're, you know, they tend to be for me, they tend to be pretty, um, uh, not negative, pretty dark. They're, they're just darker looking decks. You know, they're just darker a little looking, more, yeah. um, just not what I would normally find myself being attracted to. So I do have a few decks like that and they're fantastic, wonderful decks. And they're perfect for me, for my shadow stuff. But I also have, um, a shadowy kind of deck that's very like, childish and playful and because sometimes i know that i, I think i know which that. one you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> i have a few you know i have a, a couple of different different decks for different things and i think as yeah. we advance as readers and we get yes. to know ourselves as readers then you're going to know um 
you know, wow, this deck is totally different, but I'm attracted to it for some reason, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. give it, you know, give it a go. (laughs) Just go it a go. Yeah. 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 And you say that tarot can really help us in, in our goals and overcoming challenges. Like what are some of the readings or the styles that we should uh, probably start with? Because I'm guessing a lot of people listening to this maybe beginners in tarot. So what do you suggest for, you know, for them to get started and, 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 you know, with using the cards and trying to help them with their goal setting? For goals. So there are, I mean, I have, uh, I have a free, I, I will, I will give you the link. I've got a free downloadable that's sort of like, well, this is minus specific for business card spreads for business. And it's like a 20 page PDF and there's businessy kind of spreads. But if it's not just business, if it's, let's say it's a relationship goal, then I would say start with number one, you want to start with a spread rather than pulling cards randomly. So, you know, you can go online, Google like relationship spreads and start with maybe something that's three cards, I think, uh, or two cards. I think some of the, some of the larger spreads for beginners can just become so overwhelming, you know, like the 12 card spreads and. Oh, no, no. Like the whole, no, those are too advanced. Yeah. It just gets, gets into a lot of conflicting information if you're just getting started, right? Like, it's just like you, you could get it's just too much to, to read up on and to understand to, to really, it's great practice, but as far as just getting information quickly, I would say, look for like a two to three card spread, something that's specific to the topic that you're, that you're looking at understanding. And if it's goal setting, what I love to do with, um, with cards when I'm goal setting is I, I mean, I play with the cards in a lot of different ways that are quite creative, I would say, or unusual, but compared to, um, you know, just the standard three cards spread, I'll even do stuff like with goals, I'll pick a card that, you know, I'll look for a card that represents my goal. And I'll just go through the deck and I'll choose this card represents my goal. Okay, there it is. And then I'll choose another card that I feel like for me today, this represents how I feel or where I'm at in that goal. So you have these two cards that you've selected. There's my goal. It's the card number, let's call it card number three, and where I'm at card number one, And then I'll shuffle and I'll pull a random card. And that random card is kind of the middle card, the one that goes in the middle. And so then that card I'll read as this is the card that is sort of the the path between where I'm at and where I want to be. And then so just kind of playing with that goal setting, you know, what do I need to know today? What's in the middle? What moves me from where I am to where I want to be? I mean, that would be one spread that comes to mind, something that your listeners could give, you know, could, could play with and try. But um, yeah. there's so, I mean, you can use tarot for goal setting in a million different ways. In different ways. I know, I know. But you say to to start, they would do best with like a three simple three card spread or uh, maybe a Celtic cross even, right? Yep. And that, that one gets a little more complicated. They could do a Celtic cross, but they could definitely, I mean, um, goals. I mean, you could even, if you know what your goal is and you have an active goal in mind, you could even use it in a very strategic, almost businessy kind of way, or, or in a, like a strategic mindset, you could just have, you know, pull a card for, um, you know, three days, three months or three weeks, three months, three years, let's say. So like, what do I, you know, something that I can look at as a message, something that I need to know for the next, next three weeks, what I need to know for the next three months, what do I need to know for the next three years for this particular goal? And no matter what card you pull, your, intuition is going to put those pieces into place. You know, what does it have to do with the goal? And this is often the difficulty when, when people are starting cards, starting to read, 
Mm-hmm. You know, they may pull a card that's more about love and they, and, and they try. Yeah. And, they get confused. You know, like, like if you get the two of cups, when you're asking you know, how, about. Exactly. So the two of cups is, uh, you know, for your listeners usually has mm-hmm. two people and they're, 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 you know, sometimes it looks like they're maybe getting married or they're, they're yes. in some sort of ceremony together. And, um, it's often a love card. But then if that shows up, that card for a business reading, you know, um, three months out and I get the two of cups, well, how, how can I connect that to business? But this is where your intuition, you just allow your intuition to put things together. So no matter what your goal is, and I'm going to say that it's, uh, you know, um, uh, something to do with business as writing, let's say it has to do with writing, writing well, a new then, book. There you go. Writing a new book. Then, then three months out, maybe you need to be thinking about, okay, there's relationships that are really important here. And what, mm. what, what, you know, what do they, could be characters that could have to do with your characters in the book, or it could just have to do with that connection to three months out. I should start to connect with future readers, even though the book's not done. And I should start to, you know, have this, this relationship with them. And, and how can I, how can I push that along? And, you know, you just, your brain is going to start to make connections depending on your question and depending on the card, but you just allow those connections to be made. My number one advice for new readers is to not say I'm making it up or even, or if you do say, feels like I'm making it up, then say, yeah, I probably am. And that's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Right. And it's really about looking at the symbolism of the card more than the actual literal meaning. Cause I think when I first started reading tarot, I got really hung up on the, on everything that I read in the guidebooks. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. I would follow the direct interpretation from the guidebooks and that would throw me off. Like, and I think initially you do need that as a crutch and as you get better, you can kind of interpret it on your own and, you know, just, just go let your intuition flow and see what stands out to you. For me, it's like the imagery of the cards really important. That's why I don't like tarot decks that are very plain. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I love your decks because the imagery is so vivid and the colors. And for me, that's what really uh, speaks to me. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. I'm. Uh, I have a design background, so color is my. You know, mm-hmm. color is one of my love languages. <laughs> oh, I yeah, definitely yeah. love. <laughs> yeah, I, can I definitely, definitely see color. That. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. I, I agree. I. I think a lot of people get really. Um, you know, we need the guidebooks when we begin, right? Uh, but we also, it's it's a really good practice to kind of look and just look at the images before mm-hmm. you jump into the guidebook, look at the images and see what comes up for you. What does it, re- what does the card remind me of? What sensations do I maybe feel? Am I, do I have an emotional reaction to this card and what is it? Um, does it remind me of anyone or a time or a place or a, or something that's happened in my life? Cause if it reminds you of another situation, there's maybe a reason why, you know, what did you learn from that situation that you can bring in? So I will, um, you know, I like to offer that suggestion to new readers that before you go to the guidebook, you allow that intuitive mind to do a little bit of work. You know, I'm going to sit with this card for two minutes. And sometimes that two minutes feels like a really long time because you right. just want to go to the guidebook to get the answer, but yeah. sit with it, just, you know, sit with it, write down a couple of key words, couple of key sensations, then go to the guidebook and then connect the guidebook to your key sensations. And you're going to have a, fa- a fantastic message. Yeah. And I think also don't get too hung up on actual names of the cards. Like for instance, death or or the tower, you know, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that used to throw me off sometimes. And 
even now, if I see the three of swords, which is like one of the most painful cards to get in the deck, when I see that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> why yeah. has that come up? You know, so yeah. it's like getting past that that re- that reaction that you might feel because of you know the card, the imagery, the name, or whatever. So absolutely, I mean, yeah. I I don't mind at all seeing the death card because for me it's so much about letting older things go to make mm. space for rebirth. But I, I don't like to see the three of swords cup or the three of swords. Um, card come either (laughs) just one of those things where um you know but but there's always a reason why it comes when it does and it's not always because something's going to happen in the future often it's something that i'm carrying in the present yeah (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and um so you say that one of the best ways to kind of understand the archetypes on these cards is to actually like feel the cards and make some notes is there anything else that you'd suggest people to familiarize with themselves with all these 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 cards and their meanings oh it is time and it is practice you know Mm -hmm. and i know that there is a um you know uh, a a newer trend in tarot where it's people are reading 100 intuitively and i think intuitive reading is fantastic But I also think it's really a good practice to, if you're going to look at, especially if you're going to look at reading for others, if it's, if it's purely for you, then, you know, then, then go with your intuition. That's fantastic. But if you want to branch out and start reading for others, I think it's a really good practice to start to, you know, put the time in and the energy to get to know the cards because it does, um, as humans, you know, as people, we tend to be, uh, you know, we tend to stick to the things that are more comfortable for us or the things that we know the best. So someone that is always has beautiful um, luck and energy and relationships and love, let's say, right, then they're going to see the positive side of love in almost all of those cards. But if you're reading for other people, maybe that other person is not going to necessarily resonate with your experience. They probably won't. So it's a really good practice to actually spend the time and just do a little bit of study and get to know the full human experience that is embedded in those 78 cards. Because it really, it's amazing that 78 cards can do this, but they absolutely contain the whole of the human um emotional experience you know the whole of the human story and in the human condition can be contained within those 78 cards so when you learn the traditional meanings of the cards then you're opening you're just you're able to read for so many other people you know because everyone's story is so different so what that and then it's it's such a i mean it's such a beautiful i think tarot is such a beautiful craft in that way if I'm reading for other people and I, I don't, uh, I don't do a ton of readings for other people. Yeah. That's going to ask you, do you do readings? I, I do, but I do them more in the context of business or goal setting or creating something. That's kind okay. of my, my, um, my favorite way to read. Okay. You know? Um, yeah, I I have done readings in the past and I actually don't love to do uh, love readings and that tends to be if you're just a those are tricky. reader. Those yeah. are tricky for sure. <laughs> and, yeah. And most of the readings But they seem that, to be very popular like on YouTube. On YouTube there are a ton of tarot readers. A lot yes. of them are very talented, but there's some of them not so much. <laughs> but I I actually learned a lot watching them do readings because you know each of them has their own style, their own brand. And I tend to connect with a certain kind of reader. And I, 
and the others put me off. And so it's really strange how, how, you know, you really, you can resonate with different styles. So absolutely. Well, yeah. And there's not one style for everyone, right? Like uh, my style would definitely not resonate with some people and, and does resonate with other people. And, uh, but I will, when I have done readings where, you know, people would come and they'd ask for a love reading and, and I find those sorts of readers, readers that do the full gamut of, of readings, you know, they're just readers 24 seven, that's their full-time job. I have so much respect for them because you end up, you, it's, it's so draining emotionally. And I find oh, it, it with love readings. Yeah. So yeah. many people will come for a love reading because they want to be validated for what they already want. Exactly. Right. So they love you if you give them their validation, but if, if the cards <laughs> yeah. don't show that and they do, then they think you're, yeah, I don't, I don't like that reader. It's a horrible reader of horrible reading. Right. <laughs> because yeah. it's what they needed to hear. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why you have to be cautious about some of the readers on YouTube because some of them tell you what, what you want to hear and it's very clickbaity, you know? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that is, um, I think that's, that's part of the, intuitive tarot trend, you know, part of it is so beautiful and so wonderful and it's, and it is changing the way that tarot is being read. And it's sort of, that's great. If that's the new, you know, things change and that's fantastic. But at the same time, that craft, that art of being able to hold space for someone who is very vulnerable or who is in deep pain or who is experiencing, you know, something that's truly emotionally devastating and they, they want some advice you want to be able to guide people through those moments without just giving them all the positive, you know, and that, so that, that is a very special skill. Yeah. There's a lot of um, emotional intelligence that's required. Like fantastic readers have a really high EQ. Well, the good ones do. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you say that, you know, you got to be responsible when you're doing a reading for someone because they, some of them are, you know, they wear their heart on their sleeves and they're looking to you for guidance and for, for some answers. And uh, there are a lot of people out there who, who are very vulnerable. And, you know, do you worry about that, that there are some readers who kind of give metaphysical, you know, these tools like tarot, oracle, a bad name? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And this is, I think something that, you know, tarot and our whole industry, whether, you know, whether it's tarot or astrology, anything that is sort of in that, anything that you could find on the shelves in the metaphysical shop right now has kind of experienced this huge growth in popularity in the last three years. Oh yeah. New new age movement. Right. Just totally blown up. Oh yeah. And, um, and with that comes a lot of new readers and a lot of new clients. And it's, it's, there's this beautiful side of it for sure. But then there's also that side of, um, you know, more people jumping into it without maybe having had the same, you know, 10 years or 20 years or whoever, or, or five years even of practice. And, and so with that, there, there can be, people that get a little bit misled or, you know, or people that are disappointed. And so if you have someone who is disappointed in their first reading, will they ever go back for another one? Maybe they won't. They won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that is uh yeah. So that happens, but I think that happens across all industries and um, that's true. Yeah. And it is something that, you know, they're that in, in a shifting, evolving, um, not only popularity, but in a shifting, evolving kind of uh, the, the awareness of just the collective right now, you know, as a, 
uh, the human species is changing so quickly and evolving so quickly. So I think we're just in a space of things are changing right now. And um, I do trust that they're changing for the better, you know, so that this kind of all this new explosion of, of readers and everything is, I, I'm excited by it, you know, because I'm kind of curious to see where it will go. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And do you collect crystals? Are you into crystals and things like that? I'm like, I've got one right here. No, <laughs> I don't. I do. I, I do have some crystals, yeah. but to be honest with you, as far as like, um, I, I'm much more into rocks and sticks. I'm much more of a like, I find it outside my, on my own kind of person. And um, okay. my husband, my husband works in geology, so I have. Uh, so he'll go into the field and, and come back with like crystals that he's found. Like I he like just came wow. back from Alaska and, and brought from me the quartz, earth. quartz from Alaska. So I was like, okay, yeah. like th- those are the crystals that I really, um, you know, if I find them or if, or if, or if my husband's found them, like, you know, he brought me yeah. a rock from, from, I think it was four kilometers under the, you know, into the core. I was like, okay, like this rock is really, you know, so I, I mean, I like crystals, but I'm not, um, I'm not, a you know, you wouldn't call yourself a collector. No, no, I have, okay. I have a good, I've got a good collection, but just because yeah. I think over time they've just sort yeah. of accumulated or they've been gifted or if, you know, yeah, I'm not, but I do, I mean, they're, they're beautiful and, uh, but I'm just, yeah, I'm more of a rock person. All right, Chris, and it's been so wonderful talking to you. Um, I just want to thank you again for giving all these wonderful tools to us that light the path for us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to quickly mention for those who are interested in learning more about Chris Ann's new deck, the Tarot of Curious Creatures, and her other decks, you can visit chris-ann.com. The link will be in the description box. Chrisanne, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.